Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And welcome to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, the Badgers go one and one. I think most of us probably would have thought one and one. Okay, that kind of makes sense. They'll they'll beat Illinois and then lose at Penn State, which had been unbeaten at home. Instead, it flips. Wisconsin blows a late lead to Illinois, a uh, late seven-point lead to Illinois, and then goes on the road and hands Penn State its first loss at home all year. And they did it in impressive fashion, too. I mean, I, it's not like they played outstanding offensively. They, they got rough and tumbled defensively, which was a much different game than what we saw against Illinois. But, Jesse, just overall... When you look at this, what this week was, is it positive, negative, a little bit of both? I think it's largely positive because of the victory against Penn State, but you're kicking yourself if you're a Wisconsin fan about what happened against Illinois. It, it doesn't make much sense because Wisconsin led for most of that game, and I look at it like they gave that game away. Yeah. They had so many opportunities to win. I realized that Illinois had to go and score enough points. They hadn't scored over 70 points against Wisconsin in forever, and the Badgers had this ridiculous winning streak against the Illini, which was hard to believe. Yeah, it was 15 games, and I think it was 28 games of being under 70, 70 or under. And yet, Illinois wins the game, and that's why I think the win against Penn State was so huge, because I know we're only in the middle of January, but if Wisconsin had lost to Penn State, they're sitting there now at, they would be 9-7 and seven overall, 2-3 and three in the Big Ten, and they would not be in the NCAA tournament. Yes, there'd be ample opportunities beyond, but I think there would be a certain level of panic that you started 0-2 in a stretch that you've now got to play Maryland and Michigan State. But as we've seen, the Big Ten is insane. The fact that Michigan State got dominated by a Purdue team that couldn't hit the broad side of the barn yeah. <laughs> earlier. This is Big Ten basketball. I think big, the Big Ten, I think there's five road wins in the Big Ten so far this year in Big Ten play. Wisconsin has two of them. Ohio State and Penn State have lost are eighteen and two at home. Wisconsin is that too, but you're right. And then you just mentioned Big Ten. What the hell, Michigan State! My goodness, they forty two points off a t- and a team blows them out. Purdue blows them out after scoring thirty six or thirty seven against uh, Illinois. You know, just last week they lost sixty three thirty seven against Illinois. Somehow came back in 171-42 against Michigan State. But that means the Spartans are coming back to the pack and the Big Ten is wide open. <laughs> well, right. I mean, Wisconsin 3-2 and two and they're tied for third in the Big Ten. It's, uh, it's all a little, it's a mess. I'll say this, I'll give, uh, I'll give props to uh, Brian Butch, who, a little, a little plug here, we do a, uh, our Wisconsin basketball roundtable each week uh, with, uh, with Brian Butch, Josh Gosser, and Mike Bruzewitz that uh, usually you'll post on Fridays. But on the, sh- on the show this past week, I asked him, like, what team that's struggling in Big Ten play so far is going to potentially turn it around and, and uh, jump up and, you know, grab somebody, and he picked Purdue. And a couple days later, they go and shock Michigan State even after what had happened against Illinois. So, again, any day, every team has a win now in the Big Ten because obviously Northwestern got off the schneid. Yep. And so everyone has at least one win. Everyone has at least one loss, and it's all just packed right in the middle. I looked at the AP poll today, and it's uh, 11 of the 14 teams are either in the top 25 or receiving votes. This is how insane the Big Ten is right now. Ohio State is 1-4. They were fifth in the country when Wisconsin went in there and won what, what appeared to be the signature victory on the season for the Badgers, and they're tied for last with Northwestern. Yeah. That's how quickly things can change. And they're still ranked, what, like 21st, I think? Yep, they're in the top 25. Yeah. Well, I guess, again, the losses at Indiana, at 
at Maryland and then against Wisconsin, right? I think those the the three losses they've had since they jumped in. Well, no, they've got four straight losses, don't they? Or is it three? It's four straight losses. One of them was a non-conference loss to West Virginia, which happened yeah, right, right before Wisconsin won. But you're right. Then they lost at Maryland, 67-55, and at Indiana, 66-54. I guess they get a reprieve because Nebraska's coming up. But that's the thing that really stands out this year. It sounds cliche every year, but there are almost no easy games. Maybe Northwestern, maybe Nebraska, but really... You see what happens when Wisconsin falters for just a handful of minutes. Illinois takes control, and that makes a big difference. They hit some ridiculously big shots. Like yes. I was just fantastic down the street. I mean, the Badgers played had a hand in that. I think with some of their offensive, especially especially Mike Potter, for all the good he did that both that night and then obviously Penn State. And we'll get to that because he was just insane. His fadeaway jumper against a guy with four fouls that led to a run out three. I thought was the I don't want to say play the game, but it was the one that got them jump-started, brought the game back to within a single possession. And, you know, that shouldn't have ha- – like, th- those those things, they shouldn't happen, especially at home. Like, you have to be you have to be smarter. You have to be more aware. You can't, you can't shoot a, a, a fall-away jumper against a guy with four fouls. Uh, go at him, make him block you straight up, or make him follow you and get to the, and get to the line because they're in the double bonus for – they were the bonus for the last 12 minutes of the game and double bonus for a large stretch of that, too. I would say, though, they had some open looks that if they hit, the game is oh, over. Reavers oh, missed a couple of threes. Aleem Ford missed a three. You make even one of them, and yeah. it stems the tide. I'll take those shots any day. I'll, I'll take, except for the except for the Potter one, I'll take all those open shots. I mean, they had three opportun- two opportunities in one possession with Reavers, both from the three and then both inside. And then Aleem Ford, that corner three, is apparently his spot. When he shoots at all the players... On this, on the bench, like getting up, like yeah, that, that that's kind of his spot, and uh, he hasn't had a lot of spots this year. <laughs> it it kind of feels like he is really, really struggling, struggling, struggled against Penn State certainly, and Tyler Wall starting to come on. We'll get into all that coming up, but I wanted to talk about this team. Just who is this team, right? On some nights they look fantastic, on other nights they don't look great, and this comparison is probably not. A great one, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways. I was trying to think about this and, and, and put it in terms that I could understand in my own head. Um, was we've all seen people? There's a great Seinfeld episode, and we'll talk about that in a second. But it's, it's the uh, it's the one minute uh, a woman looks great, right? She's she, or a man looks great, and she's uh, she looks fantastic and she's gorgeous and all that stuff. And then a day later, you're like, I don't. That's ugly. Like why? I don't like that. That's no. I'm not. I'm not a fan of that whatsoever. There is the Seinfeld episode. The 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 two face. That's exactly what I thought of when you brought this topic up, that Jerry has a girlfriend, and in certain lighting, she's beautiful, and in other lighting, she looks like she came out of uh, the a sewage system or something <laughs> like that, and it scares Jerry. Um, I guess if you want to have an apt comparison, that could be Wisconsin basketball. And you don't know what you're going to get right. from one game to the next, and it, it is a serious problem. Um, they've put themselves in good enough position at this stage to, as long as they can keep this up reasonably well, make it to the NCAA tournament, but you've got to have something reliable. I think they're starting to find it, though. The more they have Micah Potter out there, the more they have Tyler Wall out there. But, uh, yeah, Seinfeld, two-faced girlfriend. It's Yeah, it's appealing to look at on certain nights, and it's something that you wouldn't wor- uh, want your uh, worst enemy to have to force to watch on other nights, right? Like, it hasn't been that bad. Like, the last the last six games, 
you know, since Potter came back, it hasn't been like that necessarily. I th- I'm more referring to earlier in the season. They were good enough. A couple. They were good enough against Illinois to win that game, though. Defensively, uh, that was as as poor as they've played this year. They gave up 43 points in the second half. I think Illinois is just the second team this year to have over, average over a point per possession in a game. I think Green Bay was the other one. So it's not a great comparison, but it's 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 kind of similar. Great great looking one night, not so great looking the next. Which one is going to show up on a consistent basis is whether is you know going to end up being whether Wisconsin can find its way into the NCAA tournament. It is strange just because you mentioned the second half. Illinois shoots almost 62%, and that's why the Illini are able to win. And then a few nights later, they go on the road to a Penn State team that's putting up 80 points a lot of nights and has a season-low 49, and Wisconsin dictates the pace of play and does all the things it needs to do to, to pull that one out. It just doesn't make sense. I thought the game was over at two. They should have just called the game at two zero. It was. I mean, it was, there was what? Well, it took about a half hour for someone to score. That's what I'm saying. They should, Wisconsin two nothing, bordering on the infamous Big Ten tournament game to see if someone could win thirty six thirty three. Thankfully, at least did, we got past that. Thankfully, it did not go that poorly um, for either side because that yeah it was not uh, was not great. But Wisconsin gets the win. They're now uh, three and two in Big Ten play, and they've got a couple of huge games. A couple of I'm not going to say games. Huge opportunities to add even more wins to the record, and we'll get into how many wins they're going to need to get to the NCAA tournament coming up in a little bit. Time to get into uh, a little bit of sold or not sold. Uh, sold or not sold. Offense runs better with Brad Davison and or Trevor Anderson being the main ball handler than with Demetric Trice. Well, most recently, I guess the answer would have to be sold. I, I, yeah, it I, depends like, on the game because you know they, they were great against Penn State offensively. It, I didn't think they were, but. Dimitri had 31 points against Tennessee and then followed that up with 21 points. Right. I think with him, it's a matter of consistency, and it sort of goes back to the team dynamic as a whole is what are you going to get from him? And you see that Dimitri plays a season-low 13 minutes, and Brad is the one that's taking uh, center stage as a point guard, plays 35 minutes. Can you name the last time he played fewer minutes than that? Could I guess it was an NCAA tournament game against <laughs> Florida? Yeah, it was the I don't even know why I asked I don't even know why I asked the question. I told you that, told you that before, which is really stupid of me. But yeah, it was the NCAA tournament game against Florida when Chris Chioza hit that uh, three-pointer at the buzzer. He was actually on the court uh, on that final play. But is this something that you think is going to continue? Is it something that's going to take away his confidence? Because let's be fair about it. Greg Gard was asked, you know, like, do you ever worry, you know, did you think about potentially putting him on the bench? Did you potentially think about, you know, giving his playing time somewhere else. And he said, no, because I didn't want, because the worst thing to do in a situation like that is to do that and ruin the kid's confidence. Well, now (laughs) he goes and puts him on the bench, plays just 13 minutes. And he was asked today whether he expects Dimitri to bounce back from losing that, from doing, he did exactly what he said he didn't want to do. And now he was asked, do you think it's something that, is going to impact him. Do you think it's going to hurt his confidence? And he said no, because I saw his body language during the game at Penn State, up waving the towel, being excited for for his teammates, and that's what it's about. There's no petty jealousy on this team. There's no all that kind of stuff, but he did exactly what he said he didn't want to do. The thing is, there at a certain point, if you've got a guy out there for 30-plus minutes and you're having diminishing returns, you do have to ask yourself, is it time to make a change? He's shooting 7 for 31 over the last four games. Now, I think he's he had seven assists against Ryder, so he's doing some of the things that you would ask of a point guard. But he's had shooting struggles up and down this entire season. Look at Brad Davison, though. Right, he got you eleven rebounds 
13. 13, 11 defensive rebounds. He got 11 points, 13 rebounds right. in 35 minutes. Right. But his shooting has been very poor as well. Yeah. He he only made one for six from three and, and three for 12 And that overall. one was from almost from the logo. It was a big shot. Mm-hmm. But they don't have any consistency at the position. And I don't think necessarily playing Trevor Anderson more is going to help that. I, I think they have to ride with Dimitrik. I do. And I... We kind of talked about this earlier in the year. I thought, you know, maybe you could potentially, you know, replace him in the starting line, move Brad to point guard. But I just, I think you're going to, if they're, it's kind of cliche, but if you're going to reach the highs that you think this team can be, they need their, one of their top shooters on the floor. Yeah, I think it is. It's, as we've said in other instances, it's a feel thing that Greg Gard has to make. If he feels like Dimitrik doesn't have it, like what happened against Penn State, he's got some other options which is more than you could say a couple of years ago when they had no other options. And so I'm with you. I think they've got to play him, and he just has to step up to the plate and deliver. Yeah. Uh, sold or not sold, barring injury, the starting lineup will stay the same for the rest of the season. This is, the t- this is a tough one because of Micah Potter's impact, and I think this is why, at least in my mind, this question is asked. It could be. I, I think Dimitri don't, don't don't think you can read my mind. I th- in my mind, I think Dimitri yeah, will you, stay a starter. The question to me is, will Aleem Ford stay a starter and Micah Potter keep coming off the bench? And we're having this discussion on the heels of Potter having an all-time game, twenty-four points, thirteen rebounds, uh, and Aleem has not played very well the last couple of games. But you know, you if you alter the starting lineup, you do run the risk of having one of these guys lose some confidence that you're absolutely going to need in the rotation. So maybe it's more of Okay, Aleem is the starter, but he's playing 22 minutes, and somebody else is playing more minutes. Micah played 28. Now, a lot of that had to do with Nate Reavers, only played 11 minutes. He's in foul trouble, obviously. Right, but I think it'll be the same lineup. I also think Greg is free to have some of the bench guys play more minutes, given what's happening in that game. Well, has their bench been the best part of this team so far this year? In certain... I mean, in most cases, yeah. in most of the games where they've needed... Revan's been great at times. Micah's yeah. been great at times. Yep. Tyler Wall. Yep. Trevor, and Anderson. Trevor Anderson is giving you something. Yeah. So that's a really good I mean, that's a strong four guys coming off the bench in, in a nine man rotation. It is. My thing about Michael Potter being in the starting lineup would be I don't think it works against all teams because you're gonna ask him or Nate to guard probably a, a more athletic guy than him at at the four, right? Um and I, that's why I thought Illinois would make sense as a team as a opportunity to put both of them on the same on the floor at the same time. But then Georgie and uh, Kofi both got in foul trouble, and so they were barely on the floor together at all, you know, throughout the game, and so it it was irrelevant. But I I don't know if you can have have them on the floor together a lot, if if the other team's not playing big. Yeah, I'm, and so that's I, why I would say I don't know about the starting lineup. And so then if it's not if it's not him, if it's not Mike Potter going into the starting lineup, is it Tyler Wall going into the starting lineup? For I would be surprised. I. I, I I would be surprised if that happens, but obviously if Greg makes that decision, it's to light a spark under one guy's butt and to send a message. If you put a true freshman in the starting lineup, you know, the last time it happened was with Brad Davison, but it was just so obvious that he needed to be in that lineup. I I don't know if I necessarily feel the, the same way with, with Tyler Wall, even though he's given you some great production off the bench. I don't think they will. I think it's going to I think it'll be I think it'll be the same starting lineup outside of an injury because he doesn't want to uh doesn't want to shake confidence in a guy and I guess Sitting him or replacing him in the starting lineup would be a bigger shock or would be a bigger hit to the confidence than playing a guy 13 minutes, right? 
I mean, that, that'd be a little bit, that'd be a bigger and a more significant step than what we saw with Demetrius Trice against Penn, uh, yeah, against Penn State. And it was one game. We'll see. Like, I don't know if that's going to end up being the case all the time. I don't think it will be. I don't think like 13, I think 13 minutes may end up being the fewest minutes he plays all year. Oh, I agree. I, I agree with you that they'll probably go with the same lineup for the rest of the season and just fluctuate minutes based on how well someone's playing. Brevin has played played 19 minutes against Penn State. He's played over 30 minutes in some other games, 29 minutes. And so yeah. it, it's dependent on how well are these guys doing. It's a feel thing. And on the court late in games, both uh, Pritzel and Wall have been. So, uh, soul or not soul, the NCAA Tournament Committee should only judge the Badgers on games where Micah Potter played. Not sold. Uh, as much as fans might like that. But I do think that that is it has to be an taken. important determining factor. It always is. The, the committee's evaluating if someone gets hurt a few weeks before that game. It might impact their, a team seed line. But do they... In, but I, I'll have to go back and research this. I probably should have done it before the show. Has there been a situation where a guy was suspended or... Yeah, suspended or ineligible and then came back and had such a major impact like this... That it over that it uh, overshadowed what had happened before, or are injuries treated differently than ineligible? Ineligible being ineligible. I'm sure there are other examples of this. Um, I bet you that I I could see that that committee treating them differently. But it's you, both. It's the it's the overall body of work. Like you can't ignore certain losses at Barclays Center, but at the same time. They're playing much different basketball with Micah Potter in the lineup, and I think it was enough time that he came back for his first game December 21st for them to have almost three months of games that the committee can evaluate. It's it's both. I think Wisconsin will be an NCAA tournament team, barring some colossal collapse. If you look at where they are in the NCAA net rankings, they're sitting there as we're speaking at 25, yeah. which is tremendously impressive. There's no other team in the top 25 that has six losses, and only one other team in the top 40 that has as many as six losses, and that would be Purdue, which is 10 and seven, and is number 34, and obviously riding the wave here, this big victory against Michigan State. So I think that says a lot about because this is a tool that the committee uses, and we discuss because it's updated every single day that they're firmly in the NCAA tournament picture, and it's up to them to not fall apart. Again, two huge opportunities this week with teams that are above them in the net rankings with Maryland, Michigan State. Sold or not sold, Wisconsin will be in the AP Top 25 at least once this year. I don't think it's I, important, but I but I do think it's interesting because it's. I feel like they've been in the they've been in it at least once every uh, every year. Since I have to pick one or the other, I'll say sold because they're in the others receiving votes category, and they've played reasonably well here the last three or four weeks other than the Illinois loss because they've won every other game that Micah Potter's played. So I think they'll get there. They have some of these one-and-one weeks against nationally ranked teams and then go 2 and one week. They might sneak into the top 25. But you're right. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't. I just find – I mean, I, conversation piece, obviously, just being in the position to be in the top 25. Had they beaten Illinois, maybe they are. I don't know. I bet they would be. I mean, Illinois is in the top 25 now uh, at number 24, I believe. So, yeah, it's – it, it, it is not important, but I think it's still noteworthy as well. Um, but we'll see. A uh, couple of more uh, questions to get into. We kind of talked about Trevor Anderson a little bit. Does it look like he's moving better and quicker than he was earlier in the season to you? I don't know. He looks Do you think close he looks to the same to me. Uh, he's battling. I mean, he's maybe a little better. I, I feel like I, I wonder what he would look like if he hadn't gotten hurt, you know, just because... That's a tough injury to come back from, and he works his butt off. I just, 
it'd be interesting to compare how limited he is to what his full potential could be without that injury, but that's not how life works. I, he's given some incredible contributions. He played 23 minutes against Penn State. Well, he, when Demetri plays 13, someone else has to step up, right? Yeah, 23. I think as we continue to get into, into assuming he's able to stay healthy, get into February, get into March, I think he gives them a little bit more and more as he continues to get better. I do think he has. I think he is moving better and, and looking a little bit quicker than he did earlier in the year, and now he just has to uh, stay healthy. For you, is this the most unpredictable Wisconsin team that you've covered on a night-to-night basis? I went back in the 12-13 team like just to they see. They were not they were good. No, good I mean they, they would, the entire season. Right, right. But they would beat Michigan one night and then yeah. lose lose to a bad Minnesota team. Not a bad Minnesota team, but a a lower division uh, Minnesota team. But I I don't think there has been. Like I think this is as up and down where you. And again, the Illinois loss isn't looking nearly as bad as it did when it when it happened. And I didn't think it looked bad when it happened. I mean, they don't have a bad loss this year, do they? Well, they have some not great losses, but everything's in terms they don't of have what, any, like net rankings or yeah, work quadrant. They don't, have, they don't have any any losses outside the top hundred. All those teams are still all those teams that they lost to Richmond and New Mexico both still in the top one hundred of the net rankings. New Mexico's eighty one, Richmond's sixty three. So top so top eighty one. Don't yeah. have any losses outside of the top eighty one. They they are extremely unpredictable. I think that's the most maddening thing about this team, and we've talked about it, and I'm sure we'll talk about it into March. Is there are some games where they're on fire from three, and this is, okay, this is the team that we thought they would be when we knew you'd have five three-point shooters potentially on the floor at the same time. And then there are other games where the looks are there, and they don't go down, and it makes no sense as to why they don't go down, and that's how you end up costing yourself. You, know, the, you lose on the road to Rutgers, you lose to Illinois, and you've got these other sort of inexplicable losses the way they played against Richmond and, and New Mexico. Two for 26 from three. You could be blindfolded and probably make two for 26. That is three. not true. That is absolutely well, not true. you go 0 for 26. You'd only make two fewer. Yes, that is accurate. That is a, they would be close. They would make two more than a blind person. They made <laughs> two more than what a blind person would make. I said blindfolded. Blindfolded person would make. Like, yeah. if, if I was blindfolded, there's not a chance in heck that I'm hitting two threes. But it does, despite the Illinois loss, seems like they're starting to turn the corner a little bit just because of the way they played in some of these other games. To go on the road three straight times and beat Tennessee, Ohio State, and Penn State when all those teams were nationally ranked at the time, uh, I think ten- Tennessee was a top 25 team at the time, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they were. They weren't? No. I feel confident they were. All right, why don't you look it did up? Did they then. drop out of the rankings? They did. The week before they played them? Yeah. Well, I guess I have egg on my face. <laughs> <laughs> but look it up, and you may be right, and, and then I'll get egg on my face. and It'll make you feel a lot better. Yeah, it'll take too long. Nope, I'm I'm sitting here waiting, because you seemed confident. No, you don't seem very confident. You're right. Oh! You got me. They were number 21. Yeah! And then they played Wisconsin, and they weren't ranked. So, um, but where are they in the net rankings? That's, that's what matters most. Where Not are they? good. Where are they? 70. Wow. That's, Woof. That was a, that's a fall off there. Yeah. They, yeah. Still counts as a road win. It does. Hey, look. A road win, two. A road win at a place that they had won. I think it was thirty three or thirty four. So even if they were playing without their point guard, <laughs> their first game without the, the, their best player, eh, whatever. Still a quadrant one win, actually. I think because the way they set it up, if you win a true road game against a team ranked anywhere from one to seventy five, <laughs> so there's a quadrant one win. So Wisconsin so. hoping Tennessee catches fire here at some point just to stay in the top seventy five. That's right. Get that extra boost on the seed line yeah 
Uh, so Wisconsin is ten and six, three and two in Big Ten play. They've got what fifteen games, games? Fifteen games left. Ten or what record wins the Big Ten? Do you think Michigan State? Michigan State at four and one right now. I think Michigan State's five and one, and Illinois Excuse four me. and two. Excuse me, man. You sure? Yeah, you sure Michigan State's five and one? You looking at it? Yeah. Okay. I feel like sixteen and four. Really? Fifteen and five. I don't know. You think? You think all? I mean. After what we saw in Michigan State the other night, like there is no great team in this conference. As I, I mentioned, the AP poll, right? The eleven of the top eleven of the fourteen are in either the poll or receiving votes. None of them are higher than thirteen. Maybe it's I don't know. We've seen fourteen, six, thirteen, and seven. Yeah, some years. It, it, I don't know. Will Michigan State lose five more conference games? I don't know. They could. They just Wisconsin's got, got two cracks at them. They just got the crap beat out of them by a team that scored 37 points last week. Yeah. So, I've... look, road wins are very hard to come by in this conference. There's five of them so far. It's very, very difficult. I would not be surprised if Michigan State lost five more games, and you're sitting at 14 and six. It would take and some the, kind of run for Wisconsin to pull that off. Oh, I don't. I'm not, say, I'm not saying Wisconsin will win it. I'm asking you, what, what's the record that is going to win it? And I think. You could see, yeah, fourteen and six or thirteen and seven, and like the low and like the the, the bottom of the conference is what uh, five and fifteen or something like that, like or you know six and fourteen. Like the, there's not going to be that much. I don't think there's going to be that much of a difference between the top and the bottom by the time by the end of the season. Might be right. It's a tough league, and it is every year. And I mean, I think that's what helps Wisconsin's NCAA tournament chances. Northwestern almost went on the road and beat Indiana last week. They've been competitive, and they finally got their their first win. So I, I I really think that there's a, a chance that that could happen. Um, speaking of Wisconsin, how many wins do they need to get into the NCAA tournament? Now, um, team rankings uh, had this thing. It's TR brackets, it's called. And they have all these figures and all these metrics and odds to make the NCAA, NCAA tournament by win. And this is based on Wisconsin. What's the most that uh, you think would have to be 100%? For them to be at 100%? Is this, is this based on all their strength of schedule? And this is Wisconsin. Accomplished? This is Wisconsin. Okay. To the, mo- to the minute. Including Big Ten tournament? It's just win total in general. Win total in general. Well, they're 10 and 6. They got 15 games left. So it'll be 31 games. 20, 21 and 10. Is that right? Yes. Does that upset you because th- this time you actually didn't tell me beforehand? What right. This was yeah. Be? Yeah. Uh, that makes yeah. me feel good about myself. Twenty-one wins would make is is would be the hundred uh, percent. Twenty wins would be ninety-nine point seven percent, and nineteen wins ninety-eight point two percent, and eighteen wins would be eighty-seven point nine percent. So can they get? Can they? What? You got fifteen games left. Can they go eight and seven? Yes, and made the t- eighteen wins would be eleven and nine, nine, right? Because <laughs> they're seven and four in non-conference, right? Right. So, but they're three and two in the conference. If they right. if they went eight and seven, it would be eleven and nine. Yeah, eleven and nine out of this out of this league making the tournament. Well, that be that yeah, be I that, think and that so. be, that'd be eighteen, and that's not even saying like. If they won a game in the they won a game in the Big Ten tournament, yeah. it could be nineteen. Like it. It would be uh, get to eighteen in the regular season. Yeah. Win what? Win one in the in the in the conference tournament. Absolutely. I think, 
and I think you have a very good shot of being in. You lose you your may, first game in the you, Big Ten tournament, you're sweating, though. You may be, yeah. I mean, look, the, the percentage drops off significantly. If you get to 17 wins, it's only 57.7%. And then if you're only at 16, it gets to 16.5%. So, like, that is not likely going to happen. What do you think their greatest odds of their seed is? Oh, wow. Um, at this point right now. Eight seed. The highest, Seven or eight? The highest percentage is as a 12 seed. Wow, twelve point seven percent. Oh, okay. that's that's their highest percentage. Uh, the hot the the uh, then eleven is eleven point nine. Ten is ten. Man, it's essentially all the way down. Um, so, but hey, they'd be the twelve seed. They they've had success as a twelve seed. Beat Florida State back in the day. As long as you're not the five seed playing the twelve, right? As we've seen, yeah, as as long as you're not that, Wisconsin should be all right. But yeah, I mean, I I think eighteen is doable in the regular season. Yeah, I agree, and. You get Nebraska a couple times. You get Northwestern. You get Rutgers at home. Obviously, there's no gimmies. But no. Not in this conference. There's not. Now, if they go, if we do this show next week and they're coming off back-to-back losses to Maryland and Michigan State, it'll feel like the sky is falling. So this it, is a week-by-week situation here. This is as the sport, college basketball, perhaps more than any other, is just night to night, your team sucks or your team is awesome. That is essentially what college basketball is. It is we are so caught up in the day to day of college basketball more than any other sport, I think. I mean, I don't even, like I don't even think NBA's like this. The NBA is not like that. Baseball is because it's an eighty two game regular season or right. whatever. It just baseball goes on is not forever. Like, right, right. But there's games like every night, almost every night. There's two or three games every week and it's just all the time. Your team's awesome, your team sucks. It's it's one way or the other. And it changes on a day to day basis. And right now, Wisconsin they're looking like the good Ruth Wilson. All right, time to get into our Twitter questions. And uh, we'll start with this from Chris. And we've talked about Trevor Anderson, but he says, Trevor doesn't turn it over much, doesn't foul, rarely loses his guy. Is this what we should expect and appreciate, or is his ceiling higher? I think this is what you would, what we should expect and appreciate. He's got a 2-1 to assist-to-turnover ratio. He plays tough, gritty, hard-nosed defense. And you sort of know what you're going to get. And maybe every once in a while he'll drop in an 11-point game like he did against Rutgers. That, to me, is is what you should expect. And I think that's a good quality to have from a guy coming off the bench. Okay, Trevor, you're going to play 10 minutes, or you're going to play 14 minutes, and you're going to be able to spell Demetric or Brad or whoever, set up the offense, and there won't be a, a drop-off. Is that what you're looking for in a guy coming off the bench? Like, I think it depends on the guy. What's what's What are the key elements of a guy coming off the bench? What What are the best attributes of a guy like that well i think it's energy and spark and a, an ability and a willingness to accept whatever that role is and you look at the four bench players right now you could say all of them provide that michael potter as we've discussed a spark a different dynamic that they don't necessarily have both offensively and defensively out of someone that size brevin pritzel who can score may not look to shoot as often as he should trevor anderson as we're discussing and tyler wall who may be the energy guy uh, maybe in the Big Ten of guys coming off the bench. So th- those are the things. But really, you want to be able to trust whoever you put in to know there's not going to be a drop-off. That's the biggest thing in my mind. Have you ever seen a guy more confident in putting up a shot than Micah Potter? <laughs> Marcus Howard? <laughs> yeah. But like I'm, I'm not talking about like a Wisconsin guy. Like Usually, I feel like he every time he touches the ball, I feel like the ball's going up. I kind of felt the same way or kind of feel the same way every time like Nate's in the post. Like there's that, that ball is usually not coming back out and and finding anybody. Like Ethan, Ethan, you kind of knew like that was a possibility that if it wasn't going to happen, he was going to pass it back out. There was going to be he's going to try and find the open guy. Nate at times 
in uh, his career has felt like a little bit of a guy that you when you throw it down you lose it and you're not it's not coming back out. Micah Micah kind of feels like that at times. I can see where you're going with that. You know how many assists he has this year? How many? Zero. Yeah. Which again, it, I mean, it is what it is. But I I, I kind of feel I just it kind of felt like that a little bit. But he, he went nine for fourteen from the field. Look. I'm, so if you want to shoot 14 shots and you're going to make nine, by all means, all I don't day. Wanna, I don't want to jinx this because people, I personally don't care if I jinx it, but I think people would care. What's his free throw percentage so far? Michael 100, Potters. 100%. 16 for 16. Yeah. I remember him telling us at the red-white scrimmage after he like went like two for four at the red He goes, first thing he says, don't worry, I make my free throws. <laughs> Gotta admire that confidence, and at least he's backing it up so far this season. Uh, what do you think about his new haircut? You like a little buzz on the side? I'm not mad at it. Yeah, no, you're a big hair guy. I, I don't really have a say in that, but like, yeah, I mean, you, you've got you've got flow. Do you, do you appreciate what he's got going? Sure. Any anyone who goes beyond the general Wisconsin buzz cuts look <laughs> and does something with their hair, I'm on board with. All right. Kira asks, were Trice's minutes reduced uh, against Penn State a result of Greg Gard playing matchups, wanting to get Trice rest, or a result of Trice's poor play versus Illinois? I don't think it's about rest. These guys are 20, 21 years old. I think it's who's the most effective and who's going to give us the best chance to win. Dimitri played 13 minutes. He missed both of his shots, and he didn't score. So <laughs> And had a really poor turnover. Yeah. I, that's was, what it is. To me, it was not... Illinois it was no. Penn State like in terms of like I don't think it was based off of what happened against Illinois as the reason why he didn't play a ton against Penn State I think it was a bad start and then they just kind of liked what the other guys had and that's what you went with and in the in the same vein with with Reavers it was he was dealing with foul trouble and Mike Potter was killing it so he, he, he played a lot of minutes then Reavers came back in in the second half and Micah didn't see as much time until late in that game and he kind of not, didn't pick up where he left off, but had a couple of nice buckets. So, like, there, Greg Gard has said throughout, it's a feel thing, and it's going to go game by game. It's going to go minute by minute, whatever he feels. And on Saturday against Penn State, he felt that Brad and Trevor Anderson gave them a better shot at point guard. And I, yeah, I don't think it has to do with whatever happens in a previous game because if that were the case, then Michael Potter would be, in, oh, excuse me, uh, Nate Reeves would be in trouble because he did not play well against Illinois. Or Dimitrik would have been out of the starting lineup because of what happened against Rutgers when he just did not play very well. He played 23 minutes and scored two points, but when they come out of the the finals exams and break, the very next game Dimitrik gets 31 points. So it doesn't. It's not exactly how it works. But if you do stack up a bunch of games every three days and you're not playing very well, at some point you probably have to reevaluate. There's no Twitter questions about this. I got some more, to, but I wanted to ask because I don't want to forget about it. Kobe King, another awesome. another really solid night. I thought he was. I, uh, let's go back to the Illinois game though. First, gets off to that great start in the second half, really hot coming out of the second. I think he had the first eight points for Wisconsin. Then he kind of disappeared. Greg Probably was should get the ball. Greg was asked after the game whether it was a situation of them not getting the ball or him not wanting the ball, and he kind of bypassed the question. But then after the Penn State game, in which Kobe went and got the ball. And wanted the ball and hit hit the fadeaway that he's got. I think that's his shot. I think that's like his his go to. And while he may not be great uh, in a ball screen situation uh, with with very much time left, and maybe that's why we haven't seen him there. I'd be okay with him getting the ball late in a shot clock, posting up a guy and going one on one in that fadeaway. Like that to me is his shot, and he's hit it 
so many times already this year. But he was he went and got the ball late, and Greg said after the game that maybe he should maybe we should have gone to him a little bit more late against Illinois. So these, these last three games, he's been tremendous. Well, and he's that's been, stacked on top of some other incredible games. Big, where he had twenty four against Indiana and eighteen against Rutgers. His Big Ten performances have, considering he went scoreless in a couple of games in between there, have been very very impressive. Very impressive. But I wanted to mention him because, again, his mid-range game, he's, he's all of a sudden uh, turned the mid-range back into some vogue shot. He and Micah Potter, to me, are the, <laughs> the X factors over the last few months because of how well they played and because of the number of ways they seem to be able to elevate this team. If they both are playing well at the same time, this is a top four Big Ten team again. Yeah, Mike asks, what happened to Brad Davison's offense this year? Is it injury-related? Not that I'm aware of. No. Not just not, not, not well. making shots. Yeah. He's shooting 32.2% from three, but the entire team's shooting 33%. So this is uh, an epidemic, a team-wide epidemic, it would appear. Um, Pat says, I'm like 50-50 on going all in on this team. Give me direction. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking Mr. Hedge about <laughs> he someone is. being 50-50? Yeah. I would not go all in on this team because it's <laughs> so there precisely a coin flip. No, no, no hedging there. Don't go full. Don't go all in on this team. <laughs> all in indicates a certain level of uh, certainty, and it's, there's and, zero uh, certainty. I think, as we've discussed, the turn the light on, turn the light off. Predictably right? unpredictable. Yeah, if you go all in on this team, they will hurt you. I think they will hurt you. You know what I mean? Like they and and they may hurt you anyways. Even if you don't go all the way in, because I think like most Badger fans, you get to Ma- you get to May or you get to March. And they're going to lose in a very dissatisfying way to end their season, whether it's whether it's in the Big Ten tournament or whether it's in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're going to they're going to lose in a way that really really upsets you and really makes you angry for the entire off season. Um, that's just the way it is. Like that's just that's college basketball. Every team except for one loses their last game of the year. Every team. An IT winner. All but two teams. I think there's a CBI tournament too. All but three teams lose their final game uh, of the of the year, and it's that's just how college basketball is. So I would not go all in. Just not not even based on any of that though. That that's just that's just me being as pessimistic and and uh, you know down as possible on on everything. Just because you're going to get hurt. But with this team, I think if you go went in on it, you could get hurt worse than normal, maybe. What is all in? Put your emotions into this all more in, than you like, ought to. All in, like they're going to win. I I think they're going to win every game they go into. I think that they're going to have a shot to not just make the NCAA tournament, but potentially go to the second weekend. Like that's going all in. Expectations taking a jump up based on what you've seen against Ohio State, Tennessee, uh, and uh, and Penn State, or they turn into um, the lights off picture of the Badgers and it's what they got against Illinois defensively like you're gonna get hurt but that's also being a that's also being a sports fan like I I I feel like that's probably the thing that in covering sports thing I've lost more than anything is and I'm I'm fine with it is realizing like I don't care if I don't care if Wisconsin wins or loses but like it hurts like it hurts fans you you, you're gonna get hurt that's just what sports is what makes it great because you care about it so much but I would not go all in I would not either. And I remember those feelings of fandom very well. I grew up a Kansas Jayhawks basketball fan, and basically every year of my childhood, they let me down tremendously because it seemed like they were a one seed and they would not win a national championship. 
I was in grad school at KU when they finally won. And then they finally won, and it's like, well, now what? Yeah. So it sort of all those years of losses pile up and helps you appreciate when something good does happen. It does, and yet, like I feel, man, we get in a long conversation about apathy around the Wisconsin basketball program. I thought the crowd on Wednesday was just was maybe the worst I've ever heard, or not heard, which is saying something because they've had at times, and again, the students weren't there, but it was it was dead, and there wasn't a ton to cheer about. There's no doubt about that, but it was uh, it was as quiet for a close game as I can remember uh, it being, and that's not a slam at anybody. It's just a observation that I that I had. Um, Wisconsin, again, they'll take on Maryland on Tuesday night, and then they get Michigan State uh, on the weekend. We, we did this last week, and we are like, oh, you come out of this 3-1, that'd be amazing. If you come out of this 3-1, and one, it'd be freaking amazing. What do you think, though? 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. I yeah. think they beat. I think they'll beat Maryland. So do I. Yeah, no, I think. So. I do not think they will beat Michigan State. That Michigan State, I believe, that's the first game they'll play since the Purdue game. I don't think they play this week until that game. Can you check on that for me before uh, before you make a definitive statement? Yes. Because I don't want to make a definitive statement about something that uh, is is completely inaccurate. Is it? Is it accurate? What's wrong with it? I was. I'm, I'm gonna. It is accurate. All right. Cool. I was right. You were. So that's, uh, I was, yeah. Two rights, one wrong, I believe, uh, in the show here. Not that I'm keeping track, of course. Um, he got in the college football championship tonight. Do you care? I don't. <laughs> I'll watch it simply for the entertainment value. I don't care at all. Yeah, no, it's, eh. Kind of like the CLSU. LSU would be kind of like different. Yeah. Because I don't, I, Dabble's playing up the under, like the underdog card. You can't you can't win a couple of national championships and play that card. You you can't do that anymore. That'd be like, yeah, no, you can't you, you you can't do that anymore. That'd be like the Patriots playing the underdog card in the in the NFL. No one believes in us. Well, you, you've won six Super Bowls. I don't think you get to play that card anymore. But we'll see. Um, Packers fans prepare to be hurt. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to the Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.